510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. Julianne Lipson, thank you. John Kelly, thank you. Tim Kilkenny, thank you. And Joan Healy, thank you very much. We are uh, another hundred well, I got to count. So well, let me talk. let me give the thank yous for this program. Joy Taylor, John Healy, and everyone who's here in the studio, of course. To find out more about the People's Day of Reckoning Coalition, call Jessica at 510-881-5743. That's 510-881-5743. Goodbye, folks. My name's Wendy, and I just want you to know I'm all the way in South Haven, Michigan, um, and I am so happy to listen to KPFA. So I just want you to know you have a listener way out in Michigan that that just loves your radio station um, because it's so global, and it seems it seems like you guys are dealing with the problems. And I really, I just love, I love to hear hope in the world, and you guys give me hope. Um, I appreciate KPFA. You are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is a minute past 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover Open Book. A special presentation of Letters to Washington. I'm Mitch Jesrich coming to you from Capitol Hill. Over the next hour, we'll be looking at the pressing issues and stories making news in the nation's capital. In the early hours of this morning, the House Ways and Means Committee approved tax provisions for the controversial health care reform bill. We'll speak with Democratic Representative Pete Stark, who serves on the committee, and then we'll host a debate on the public option model versus single payer. Then we'll look back at the confirmation hearing of Judge Sonia Sotomayor for the Supreme Court. Our confirmation hearing is now done. We'll wrap up in conversation with Chris Hedges, veteran war correspondent. But first, this week it was unveiled that CIA Director Leon Panetta canceled a CIA assassination program under the Bush administration targeting al-Qaeda leaders, but never revealed to Congress. We'll be joined by former CIA operative Mel Goodman. All this next on Letters to Washington. Good day, everyone. I'm Mitch Jezerich coming to you from Senate Hart Office Building, Room 216, where just last night the confirmation hearing for Judge Sonia Sotomayor to the Supreme Court wrapped up. We'll take a look at the last day and what's next in the confirmation hearing later on in the show. 
There is a new uproar on Capitol Hill concerning intelligence, the CIA, and former Vice President Dick Cheney. Earlier this week, it was reported that CIA Director Leon Panetta canceled a Bush-era secret CIA program to assassinate alleged al-Qaeda operatives. The program was never unveiled. The congressional leaders and now some Democrats on Capitol Hill are renewing calls for an investigation into the previous administration. Even the sometimes reserved chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Dianne Feinstein of California, called it, quote, a big problem. Our guest is Mel Goodman, former CIA analyst for 25 years, now a senior fellow at the Center for International Policy and author of the book, The Failure of Intelligence, The Decline and Fall of the CIA. Mel Goodman, good morning. Good morning, Mitch. Good to be with you. Now, Mel, is it really such a surprise that such a program even existed, regardless if we knew about it or not? Well, given the history of the CIA in Vietnam and the Phoenix program, which was a targeted assassination program, and the Church Committee hearings, which exposed all of the assassination plots of the CIA, and the fact that a series of presidents in the wake of the Church hearings outlawed assassination, the fact that Dick Cheney thought he could mount a secret assassination program, uh, I think shows an an unconscionable willingness to do anything uh, and hide this not only from the American people, but from the congressional leadership and the oversight committees. Uh, well, now, this is what the he, president, well, what the just, president said just, he was going to do. Let me just make uh, one point. Remember, last March, Seymour Hersh, at a talk he gave in Minnesota, talked about uh, a plot that was being hatched out of Cheney's office. Uh, he said it was, it was in the hands of the military and the Pentagon, and it had already begun. Uh, he couldn't provide any sources, and people tended to shy away from his story. But the fact of the matter is, he was on to something, and it was a Cheney program involving the CIA that was about to become operational, and at that point, someone briefed the CIA director. You know, Leon Panetta should be outraged by the fact that he came into the building in February as the confirmed director of the CIA and was not told until five months later uh, about this uh, outlandish scheme. What does that mean, Mel, that it took Leon Panetta five months, months to learn about this? Well, it means something very clearly. Panetta may have made a giant mistake in arriving at the CIA. He came in as an outsider, and I was supportive of his nomination as CIA director. But he kept all of the senior people, which I was appalled uh, to learn about that. So all the people who were the ideological drivers for torture and abuse and secret prisons and extraordinary renditions, uh, including the person who is now the deputy uh, to Leon Panetta, a man by the name of Stephen Kappas, and the head of the National Clan service, the former director of operations, uh, Michael Sulik, who were driving for all these policies, were the ones briefing Panetta on what the CIA was doing and what operational programs were going on. But they didn't tell him about this one, which was the most provocative and the, certainly the most controversial, which would be to assassinate people on the streets of foreign cities, including probably European capitals uh, and allies of the United States, which was sure to lead to incredible blowback and all sorts of opposition. Uh, Our allies have already had trouble with our programs involving secret prisons and uh, transportation of people and extraordinary renditions that go through these European cities in which allies were not told about all of the plans. There's a trial going on now in Italy involving 24 CIA officers. The Germans almost moved in the same direction. Uh, And for Cheney to think he could do this without informing the system, uh, ignoring the laws of the land, the Hughes-Ryan Act from the 1970s in which you need findings for this kind of covert action and they have to be briefed to the congressional leadership. So this is totally ignoring the constitutional mandate 
of the executive branch, of the legislative branch, and the charter of the CIA. This is an outrage. Let, let me ask you, Mel. The Washington Post has reported that U.S. intelligence and congressional officials, current and former officials, said that the program never progressed to the point where notifying Congress was even required. It, it, the program actually never happened. I guess there were just plans for the program. There were plans for the program. There were orders in the White House for the program. There were discussions, operational discussions of the program, and the program was about to go active. And at that point, someone in the counterterrorism center probably got nervous about this, knowing that the director of the CIA, Leon Panetta, the president's appointment, didn't know, didn't know anything about this plan. So at the last minute on June the 23rd, Panetta was told on the 24th, Panetta went running to the Hill uh, to expose this plan and say that he had killed it, and he received support from the so-called national intelligence czar, uh, Dennis Blair. Uh, you can't have a program that is this controversial without pulsing the oversight committee. That's really what the intelligence uh, oversight process is all about, to have some check on the, the instincts and the zeal of people at the White House, like Dick Cheney, and certainly people at the CIA uh, who've been involved in schemes that have backfired, going back to the Bay of Pigs, various assassination plots uh, that failed to get uh, Castro, Operation Mongoose over the years. I mean, that's why the Hughes-Ryan Act was passed even before the Church Committee hearings began, which then surfaced all of this information. Uh, this was an accident waiting to happen, and only someone as arrogant uh, as Dick Cheney could have been responsible for something like this. Mel Goodman, uh, there has been some uproar here on Capitol Hill over this issue. Previously, when more documents were coming out that were released by the Department of Justice concerning interrogation, interrogation techniques, and, and issues concerning detainees, quote-unquote enemy combatants, there was an uproar a few months ago, and it, and it seemed to, to, to lessen over the few months, at least here on the Hill, calls for investigations. But now the calls are back again. Even Diane Feinstein told Fox News Sunday that this was a big problem. On the other side, a Republican Senator Christopher Bond of Missouri, who is the ranking member on the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, committee said that Democrats have shown no reluctance to tar the CIA to give political cover to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who said in May that Congress had been misled. And, of course, Nancy Pelosi is coming under fire uh, with allegations that she knew about uh, potential torture as far back as, as 2003, 2004. Well, there are two issues here. One is the failure of the oversight process, and the other is the failure of uh, the CIA to have any moral compass. On the congressional side, the fact of the matter is Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, Jay Rockefeller, uh, Peter Hextra, the leaders of the Senate and the House, knew all about uh, secret prisons and torture and abuse and extraordinary conditions. They may not have known all of the details, and my own sources imply to me that they got an incomplete picture of what was going on. But they knew enough to issue some warning or some call or even uh, begin the process of slowing these illegal programs down. Uh, and that wasn't done. So Nancy Pelosi cannot say she knew nothing about torture and abuse and that she knew nothing about secret prisons because they were brief. The leadership was brief. At the same time, the CIA has dissembled before the Congress. This goes back to the Chile operation in the early 1970s when CIA Director 
Richard Helms was fined $2,000 and received a suspended two-year prison sentence for lying uh, to the Congress. Uh, and he pleaded no low content contendieri. Uh, there's a long history of the CIA bamboozling the Congress. Uh, Robert Gates was denied the directorship of the CIA in 1987 because he lied to the Senate Intelligence Committee about Iran-Contra. This is a new problem. What we need is more aggressive management of the oversight process. We didn't have that under Jay Rockefeller. We didn't have it under Porter Goss in the House. Uh, we certainly don't have it under Diane Feinstein. You know, well, let, let me ask you, the big problem is an incredible understatement. Yeah. Mel, Mel Goodman, we're down to our last minute, but I, I do want to ask you about this. There is another element here on the Hill and people saying that uh, with the Obama administration want, needing or wanting to pass health care legislation, energy legislation, get the confirmation of, his, of, of Sonia Sotomayor for the Supreme Court, that they may not push forward with such investigations because it would really put this Congress in, in a deadlock and then nothing would happen. What's your take? Well, I don't find that uh, a very uh, plausible uh, scenario. These problems are not going to go away. Obama's mistake was to say that we're going to look forward. We don't want to look backward. Uh, Senator Leahy of the Judiciary Committee was right months ago when he said we can't turn the page on this until we know what was written on the page. There must be some kind of an investigation that is maybe closer to a truth commission than a prosecution uh, commission so the American people have a good idea of what this country was doing uh, during the period between 9-11 uh, and the start of the Iraq war in 2003 uh, up to most recently and we don't we don't have that uh, picture we're getting it leaked to us incrementally but we need a full picture and obama's going to have to understand that he inherited a process at that at the level of the cia was corrupt and that you have a culture of cover-up at the cia that has existed ever since bill casey was the cia director and robert gates was his deputy this is the page that needs to be turned but we have to know what is on that page as senator Leahy has said many times okay i'll give we're going to have to leave it right there. Mel Goodman is a former CIA analyst for 25 years. He's now a senior fellow at the Center for International Policy, and he's author of the book, The Failure of Intelligence, The Decline and Fall of the CIA. Mel Goodman, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Mitch. Now, in the early hours of this morning, the House Ways and Means Committee voted to approve the tax provisions of the House bill, which would impose $544 billion in new taxes over the next decade on families making more than $350,000 a year. Now, we are talking about the House version of the health care bill reform. Two other House committees worked methodically on separate parts of the bill that would cost roughly $1.5 trillion, which Speaker Nancy Pelosi has vowed to pass by the end of the month. The Senate is making the same promise to pass its health care proposal before it takes its August recess about three weeks from now. Free Speech Radio News' Leanne Caldwell and myself recently spoke to Democratic Representative Pete Stark of California. He is the second ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. Do you think that Democrats, your party, is actually going to be able to push, end up with a final bill on President Obama's desk that includes the public option, which is receiving a, a lot of opposition, including from the HMO industries. Well, the HMO industry, um, if you're talking about the Medicare Advantage industry, are so grossly overpaid and making such huge profits from 
more coverage, then I, I don't pay much attention to them. There will be a public option. Uh, the president has made that a a keystone of his program, and it's part of the House bill out of all three committees. It is the option that will keep the insurance companies honest, if that can ever be done in this country. And it will set competition, which should bring the private insurance companies into line. So the the, the real basis of saving money is the fact that the public option uh, or the patient's option is... Well, what, what, what is a public option? Is this an expansion of a Medicare or Medicaid or... Pardon? Is, are we talking about an expansion of Medicaid, Medicare? No, we're talking about a, an in, a health care insurance plan um, that will meet all of the same standards that the private insurance companies have to meet. It will be entirely self-funding. In other words, the premium you pay, if you go into the public option, you'll pay a premium. That premium will fund the public option. There will not be any taxpayer subsidy there. You may get a subsidy if you're low income, but you could use that same subsidy to buy a private plan or the public plan. There will be in what we call an exchange. If you qualify, if you don't have insurance, you can go to the exchange. If you have a low income, we'll give you a subsidy. But Or if you have a high income and just want to go to the exchange without a subsidy, you'll have a choice between, I would suppose, in the East Bay, you'd have a choice between Kaiser, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and the public option, and perhaps some others, United Healthcare, I don't know, Humana. Uh, Congressman Pete Stark, I want to ask you about, you mentioned subsidies in this public option, because the goal of this right is to... The, public, to, uh, the subsidies are for everybody for everyone. if they qualify. Right, and so because the goal of this is to cover nearly all of the 45 million Americans who don't have health yes. insurance. But there are, but a lot of it does have to come out of pocket. I believe in the House bill that up to 400% of poverty level, which is about $42,000 per, per individual, or for an individual. 88000 for a family. That they, 88000 is that what you said? That's for a family at 400% of the poverty level, yes. And they would have to pay up to 12% of their income on health insurance. Isn't that... I mean, the Republicans are saying that, you know, that that $88,000, that's enough to pay for your health insurance. But you can also make the argument that if you have a mortgage, if you have college to pay for, 12% is a, a lot a, to pay for. And there's a maximum. Um, no family will pay more than 11% of their income for health insurance. Now, uh, for families below 88,000, they probably won't even get that high. So they will get special subsidies and uh, there'll be a cap on annual out-of-pocket spending. And so that um, 11% would be the affordability level, if you will. And if, if for some reason the insurance that you now have runs more than 11% of your gross affordability subsidy. Isn't that, isn't 11% of your income, though, still a lot of money? I mean, isn't that too well, high? Well, think about it. I don't, I don't know what KPFA pays its employees, but Not for instance, much. I think <laughs> the Stark, no, the Stark family plan 
I pay uh, about $500 a month, and the taxpayers, thank you both very much, uh, pay three quarters, about 1500 a month. And that's generally the way employer plans work. The employees pay, in some cases, nothing, but in less generous plans, they pay a percentage. Now, $500 a month is 6000 a year, and, and again, thank the taxpayers, they pay me enough more, so that doesn't come close to being 10%. Um, it seemed to us to be where you have a family that's down in the, say, 50000 and a couple of kids, um, they would be paying, uh, what, $550 a year, uh, 45 what a month, I can't do that with my shoes and socks on. But if it gets above that, we would subsidize them. Pete Stark, of course, we can't let you go without bringing up the issue of single-payer proposals. Uh, yeah. We can't walk throughout Washington without running into demonstrators who are who are urging people to call their lawmakers uh, to, to demand that single-payer once again be put back on the table. Mitch, let me, if I may, give you the one problem with single-payer which is basically Medicare, which is what my committee runs and I think is wonderful. But imagine this. There are 150 or 60 million people, including you and Leanne, who get their health insurance through their employer. If we went to the single-payer plan, I'd have to say to that 160 million, those 160 million people in America, on January 1st, 2010, your health insurance ends. And Pete Stark is going to bring you a plan from Washington that you're going to love. Do you really like your insurance? Listen, half of the people in, in my district, in Alameda County, half of the people belong to Kaiser. Half. 600,000 people in Alameda County belong to Kaiser. They love it. There's some people who have, you know, you could get a fight in any bar in town. Is this Kaiser better or worse than Blue Cross? But I want to tell you that people generally don't like change. They may not exactly love their plan, if, particularly if, 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 if they've been sick. But they don't like change. Aren't there polls, though, Representative Stark, that suggest that there are people who do want the single payer, uh, potentially more yeah, than half not, the people? Not, not very. I mean, I think it's something like 70 or 80 percent of the people say they would like a choice between a public option and a private insurance plan. That was Democratic Representative Pete Stark of Fremont. He was interviewed by Leanne Caldwell of Free Speech Radio News and myself. I am Mitch Jesrich coming to you from Capitol Hill, and this is a special edition of Letters to Washington. When we come back, we'll have a conversation about the health care bill, the public option, and single payer. Stay tuned. You're listening to Letters to Washington here on KPFA, and we're hoping that you'll give us a call right now and support listener-sponsored radio support. Mitch Jesuits and Leanne Caldwell's Letters to Washington. Our phone number is 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-439-KPFA. Give us a call. $25 is great. If you can come through with 60 or 100, great. Give us a call. 1-800-439-5732. 
1-800-439-KPFA. Washington. I'm Mitch Jesrich coming to you from Senate Hart Building Room 216, where just last night the Senate Judiciary Committee wrapped up its confirmation hearing for Judge Sonia Sotomayor. We'll have more on her hearing in just a few minutes, but now we continue on health care. I'm joined by two guests. Peter Harbaj is a senior fellow at American Progress and president of Harbaj Consulting. He teaches on the American health care system at the University of Southern California School of Policy. And Dr. Quentin Young, national coordinator of Physicians for a National Health Program. Peter Abaj, Dr. Quentin Young, thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Young, let me begin with you. In a written statement, you called this proposal that has that the House is now working on a proven failure. Can you expand on that? Yes. Uh, in fact, <laughs> by coincidence, the yesterday's New York Times juxtaposed this proposed bill with the growing failures of the Massachusetts reform, which is more or less uh, just what the administration is putting forward. So there wasn't even a time interval. Uh, they're running out of money in, in, in Massachusetts. And uh, yesterday's newspaper informed us they were going to take off the rolls, in other words, discharge from protection, 30000 legal immigrants and that's a down payment i'm sure in six months or so it'll be more uh to cut to the chase the the administration's bill uh, president obama's bill if you please has the fatal flaw of not recognizing what the problem is the problem is listen carefully the private insurance companies we have that evidence across the nation and any plan that keeps them in the loop is going to go broke uh, Peter Harbaj, what, what's your take on what we're seeing coming out of Congress? Uh, I think you see uh, a lot of uh, great work coming out of Congress. Um, what we need is a, is a solution right now to help American families and businesses get health care costs under control. And that's what um, the House bill is, is going to do. And it's going to do that in a number of ways, including giving uh, folks a, an option for a, a public plan uh, if, that's what they, if, if that's what they want. That's how we're going to keep private insurers honest. Help me understand this public plan more. What is the, the, the public plan idea is really the, the notion that there's no uh, real competition uh, in the healthcare system today. You have private companies that um, are, are regulated differently between states. You have a situation where some private companies dominate the insurance market that they're in. And so the idea is that if you create uh, a public option, uh, people can choose that if, uh, if they want to. And, and if they're happy with their existing private insurance, they can keep that as well. Well, we were trying to talk earlier to Democratic Representative Pete Stark about this. But when we talk about a public option, I, the, the way it's being written about written in, in the legislation here, are we talking about an expansion of, will it be like Medicare, Medicaid? 
decade? Is it something entirely new? Uh, I think, you know, we're, we're in the middle of this debate, and I'd say what we're talking about is a, a public option that uh, is something new. Um, it's not um, going to uh, be Medicaid. A lot of people still um, talk about it being something akin to Medicare, um, but what you're really looking at is, is something new that's going to um, be a choice uh, and, and compete on a level playing field against uh, private insurance. Dr. Quentin Young, you are a proponent, a strong proponent of of single-payer plan. Indeed. And it's a plan that hasn't been considered seriously in Congress. There are two separate proposals, one by Bernie Sanders in the Senate, one by John Conyers in the House of Representatives, but uh, barely even got anyone into the White House summit on health care. It took somewhat of a, of a large showing of people calling and, and emailing the White House just to get Conyers and, and a representative invited to that meeting. But let me ask you about this issue of, of a public option. Uh, because a public option is being vigorously opposed by uh, the the healthcare industry as well. Uh, is a public option? I mean, if if you can't get the full the full uh, single payer model, could the public option suffice? Be enough that here is a government run program that does exist for people if they don't want to go through the private route. I wish very much that that were true. If it was a step in the direction of decent health care at an affordable price to the American people, tragically it isn't. We have a vast experience with a single-payer system in competition, partial, with the private industry. I'm referring to Medicare, which is a single-payer it, uh, arrangement, although flawed, because when it got passed in 1965, the industry, the health insurance industry, and particularly the AMA, resisted mightily. When they couldn't defeat it, they simply hobbled it. And uh, the, over the decades, Medicare still stands out as the very best insurance people can get, extremely popular with the elderly. And I remind you and your listeners that it's the costliest uh, system because it's taking care of elderly who by definition have more health problems and totally disabled that's self-evident well what do i mean when i say the private industry knows how to how to take advantage there are two examples one the so-called medicare part d which is supposed to bring medicare benefits in the, in the drug scene 